0: Welcome to the Improv Network Podcast. This is a series of conversations aimed at building stronger connections throughout the improv community. I'm James Quesada. And I'm Bob Wick. And we are your education team for the Improv Network. If you haven't, go to theimprovnetwork.org. Check out all of the great resources. I say it every episode. I, I really hope that you have by now gone.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> you not like the slightest bit defeated. Like,
0: if you. Come on. I'm watching the analytics on this website and I'm like, there's no way that everybody's going. So we need hundred percent attendance (laughs) on this website. Call to action. Okay. Um, uh, There's plenty of resources there. You can make yourself a profile for uh, yourself as an improviser, your teams and your theater, your festivals, all sorts of things. Uh, You you can check out blogs and interviews. There is an improv FAQ page, which uh, is where the archive of these streams is found and uh, mini lecture videos on uh, improv topics as well. And right now you're either watching us on the improv FAQ YouTube channel or the improv network group page or the improv network main page. So um, you, that's where you can find us for streaming. And if you didn't know, we are also an audio only podcast. You can find us anywhere you find podcasts and uh, take us, take us on your commute to work. Put us in uh, your ear. Put us in your earballs and earballs. <laughs> All right. Eardrums.
1: Yeah. No, no. You know what? It's your birthday. You can call the ear parts whatever you want to.
0: That's Thank birthday, you. buddy, by the way. Thanks. To be fair, it was yesterday, but it's birthday weekend. Man, it, yeah, it is. It it's is. whenever I say it is, okay? Yeah. Today's my birthday. <laughs> Uh that's really how it should be. Is like you should get like a, a moving birthday card that you can just be like, I'm still my, putting my birthday yeah, today. I want to do it.
1: It's a construct. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna do it
0: in the in the summer this year. Um okay. Uh with all that housekeeping out of the way, we are very excited to have our guest for this episode. Uh she's a Portland-based improviser. The uh Artistic Director and Co-Founder of Curious Comedy out in Portland, as well as the creator of Ruby Rocket, Private Detective, which will be the topic of our episode today. We're very excited to welcome Stacey yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, hello. Happy birthday. You didn't tell me it was your birthday weekend.
0: I'm really not a birthday, big birthday person. person. No. (laughs) Bob kind of knows
1: that. And I I won't let him not be one, uh, I'm a huge (laughs) birthday person. Uh, I'm still celebrating mine from April. I don't care. I love it. Happy
2: birthday from April. I also (laughs) like the idea of uh, drums and ear balls. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good, good. Thank Thank you. you. That's our
0: other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, so, Stacey, I usually do a good job of asking this before we go live and I say someone's uh, name out loud for the first time. But
2: did I get it right, Halal? Yeah, you did, actually. Yeah. Cool. Good job. At, I'm back. Yeah. It's funny because it seems like a simple name, but there's a lot of ways to say it.
0: So. I, I'll check with everything. I'll check to make sure it's pronounced Johnson, if that's your last name. <laughs> like, it makes
2: sense. Because it might not be. Might yeah. be Johnson. Might right? be Johnson. You never know.
0: It's <laughs> Finnish. Um, yeah. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, before we crack into the conversation about Ruby Rocket, you're in the middle of opening uh, Curious Comedy right now. You said you're in week three. How's, how's all that going?
2: it's going well. It's a ton of work. It's really intense. I did not expect it to be quite like as much like opening for the first time as it has been. Like everything has gone to sleep in the 19 months. Like the toilet was broken. We fixed that toilet. Then the other toilet broke. And like beer lines have dried out in the bar like you know a computer that was functional but at the end of its life is now two years older and needs to be replaced like everything is demanding some love and attention so we're getting through it uh, i think i've touched almost everything in the space now wow. and you know the performers are getting out there and we're we're also dusting off the rust that we've gathered and the audiences are out and it's been it's been really nice is, and to be back. Like this is the fun part, mm-hmm. right? It's been two years of the hardest part uh, with no reminders. Like this is what we're doing this yeah. for. So
0: yeah, good to have the community back in person. And yeah, I imagine for a lot of places, it's like in zombie apocalypse movies or shows where you go to, you know, the the store that no one's been in for years, and it's like, my God, what happened here? What?
2: That's right. What was going on with the last
0: people to be here?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I used to, I was a real estate agent for a year, and like you tore all these houses and you look at them. And there was always like a period of time that if a house was empty, it's a difference between when it's just fresh, the people just moved out and painted Mm. everything and cleaned it. And then, like, I would always say the boogeyman moves in and things just start to get weird.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, cool. Yeah. Congrats on reopening. Thank you. Actually, it's making me think I should do like a little walk with some sage around. (laughs) Maybe I'll do that today. You gotta cover your bases, you know. Clean the energy as much as everything else. Yes. Treat
1: your houses like James treats last people people's last names. That's what I said. (laughs) That's a great way to think of it, Bob.
2: That's right. (laughs) That should be a t-shirt. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um well, so I really am eager to talk about Ruby Rocket. Um, it sounds like a very It sounds like a show that I would love uh, in, in all of its uh, renditions. Um, and for starters, so uh, Ruby Rocket is ha- has um, a life as a live show, a uh, comic book, a web series, animated web series, um, and soon to be podcast, right? That's right. Uh, that's amazing. Um, and be, like one of my uh, things, I'm jealous to hear that because like, there, I'm the type of person who has like a lot of different ideas that I want to do something with. And I would really love to have one idea that I do a bunch <laughs> of different things with. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I really want to talk about that. But before we do, can you give us a little bit of a just a description and backstory of what Ruby Rocket is and how it came to be?
2: Yes. Uh, so back in, I think it was 2001, uh, 2001 or two it was 2001 or 2002 i was really new to improv just a couple years in and mad tv was doing like a nationwide search for women to audition and we had just this i was in an all women's group uh, a female duo and uh, they we had a one-page website and they reached out and asked us to submit uh and that's pretty cool they reached out to you yeah. yeah. That's yeah. amazing. All the yeah. way. Like, I was in Portland then, you know, so they were really looking outside of the like, the, the main hubs, uh, which was super cool. Yeah.
0: Good for them and for you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so we submitted videos and they invited us to come down. Like we were in the in the not rejected, but not paid to fly in or put up. But like if I wanted to get there and, and audition, we could go. So we were like, sure, let's do it. So we went down and I rewrote my original characters the night before the audition wow. uh, with my friend on the phone. Yeah. Which is like, you know, now knowing what it's like, like you would probably have some characters that you've done a million times <laughs> sure. take the best of those, <laughs> but sure. I was new and young to the whole thing. So I rewrote everything. And then, uh, and I do, come at improv I think that a lot of people I always say we come at it either first as a performer or a writer um and because that's what we're doing we're writing and Mm -hmm. performing simultaneously and I definitely came from writing and had a lot of stage fright so I was like so sick I was sick the whole day but anyway so I went and did my audition um did not get hired but loved this character I just connected with her and I was working at an animation studio that is, uh, it was Wool Vinton Studios at the time. Now it's Laika. They made Coraline and Box oh, uh, oh, cool. Trolls, um, Kubo. And, and so I had friends there and I was like, is there anyone you think might want to turn this into a little animated short? And I thought, oh, we'll do it with Flash animation. It's really fast. And so I got connected to a flash animator who was willing to talk about it because he loves noir. He's as passionate about noir as I am. It's a noir detective comedy. And he agreed to do it for free, but only if he could hand draw it in traditional animation because he did flash for a living. But at his heart, he's a hand-drawn animation guy. So we agreed. And uh, three years later, he produced a (laughs) three-minute video. We (laughs) recorded the voice together. I I had moved to Chicago during the course of it. Like a a lot of stuff happened. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And he did it all on paper back then. And he scanned it all. Like his wife was helping him scan these thousands of illustrations. Uh, and then he was coloring them in the computer, and then uh, compositing them over background drops. I can show you uh, what it looked like. Yeah, give please. Just a little. Here, let me make this full screen. He's super talented, and and he's been my partner on Ruby ever since then. So here's just a little snippet. She drinks a lot. Ruby is a yeah. heavy drinker. <laughs> and I don't have the audio hooked in, but just so you can see a bit, but that's what it looked like.
0: Yeah, which, you know, I get the uh, the appeal for the hand-drawn because it it, it has um, a very different and um, arguably more uh, appreciable um, character or like a aesthetic it, to it when it's hand-drawn. Right.
2: Yeah, and when you're talking about noir, Right, you're talking about something that is of a specific time period also, right? So yeah. having it be animated in a traditional style. She keeps cigarettes in her bosom.
1: Uh, <laughs> she, she dispenses them through it. It's, yes, it's she awesome. does. <laughs> and then
2: when I started doing the live show, we tried to... Uh, the uh Grimm was shooting here, and we were trying to get a Grimm... Special vet uh, effects person to build me a like device so I could just <laughs> like, like a
1: like a pen dispenser. And yeah, he's like
2: <laughs> it has to be like triggered yeah. lightly enough that I could just go like this and it'd pop. But he's like, but not so easily triggered that it would just accidentally start shooting cigarettes. <laughs> well, it might out. also be funny, yeah. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But really, I've just ended up i have i pull I pull a lot of things out of of my top. So gotcha. But that's so we did that, and this was early days of YouTube. Uh, so we we did pretty well. Like thirty thousand views was a big deal back then. Yeah. And uh, there was this thing called Anna Boom, and they were trying to be. Everyone was trying to be YouTube then because that's like YouTube right. was where Netflix is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody was trying to be YouTube, and so they wanted to be a YouTube of animation. They bought that. They paid us. Five thousand bucks an episode to make five more, um, and you'll see those look a little different because we did them. Uh, Sam came up with this really brilliant way to do traditional animation faster.
1: Oh, yeah, um, be like fifteen years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely the problem. We still own episodes. Oh,
2: <laughs> yeah. But what we did for these is we hand drew them uh, on a tablet. so that whole paper to computer Mm -hmm. section was eliminated so these were we put together a crew of uh animators that we love so we also had help right because we had five thousand dollars which if you know anything about animation or video production five thousand dollars for for three minutes is still not a a very big budget but so and we he got a bunch of um high school students uh he had a friend who was a teacher teaching adobe stuff and he had uh, a bunch of high school interns did all the coloring uh and so we produced those those five pretty fast and of course it was exactly when i was opening the theater it was like during the six months we were building out (laughs) curious comedy theater so i was trying to like write like at three o'clock at the morning in between you know building it like literally painting and building the theater so
1: so oh, then physically mentally exhausted you're trying to write episodes oh, yeah. Wow.
2: yes yeah yeah so wow. we did five of those and i still like them they're they're not like the first ones is more standalone i think those are our character studies of the world like this is a world that i just see and know and feels complete to me yeah. um and so, I mean, the way that you do tons of things, I guess, it, James is like not let go of one idea for 20 something years, you know, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we didn't want to double invest- down on it. Yeah, exactly. And it just keeps coming back. It just keeps coming back. So we didn't want to work on it much more after that because of um, we didn't own it. Uh, oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. Yeah. So, so and putting I, and up- I- Go ahead.
2: Sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I've talked. Well, well, because
0: I was curious. You know, you said that there was uh, thirty thousand views on it, and um, I, I checked out the what's on YouTube or what I was what I found there, and then I was like, this is really great quality. Like, and, and even from like the first episode through the next few, I could see that um, the production value was increasing rapidly, uh, both for the visually and for the audio, and that the credits went from being like. Five people quickly, <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly <laughs> to
0: then being like a whole suite of um of a team, and I was like, this is insane because some of those videos on the on the Ruby Rocket channel only have a, a few hundred views, and I was like, that's that is wild that that they wouldn't have more, but I'm but so I'm guessing what happened is, th- did did you get released and then you're able to now republish them or like what's the story with how it, it ended up now? exactly?
2: We weren't able to share them or promote them, and uh, you know, which now everyone knows is not the way. To, yeah, you know, why would you re- why would you remove right. the artist who has their own friends and family and um hopefully somewhat of a following from actually publicizing their own thing? And the same thing happened with pitching it. So they were taking it and they were pitching it and they didn't invite us to the pitches. Uh, which is so frustrating. And the feedback literally was um the adult swim was interested and they said, you know, this is really close, but we don't think anybody would be interested in a female protagonist.
0: Yikes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, this is 20 years ago, right? So even 10 years ago, uh, even yesterday, things are still (laughs) in balance, but at the time it was like Buffy the vampire slayer was huge. Like there was a big wave of, of women. Yeah, Yeah. 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 So uh, that was an unfortunate. Uh, it was, you know, I think it was just ahead of its time, like in terms of YouTube and social media, and in terms of, um, you know, networks having any idea that people wanted to see anything other than white straight men's stories. Um, so, so we just let it sit dormant until, yeah, a couple years ago, they they went out of business, and we had. Thank goodness, put a clause in there that the ownership would revert back to us if they oh, wow. went out of business.
0: Wow! So, but otherwise, it never would have ended. There wasn't like a, a final date on the contract or
2: anything. Wow. No, I mean we were just two unknown creators, right? Yeah, they, yeah.
0: It's understandable. So,
2: the other people who had a little, I think, I think had a little more um, uh, clout at the time, had better deals than we did. But that was our first thing. So we did it, you know, and we didn't make any money on the sale, right? It was the the money on the sale was exactly the amount we spent on the production of the next five. So that's why we we're just like, okay, we're not going to invest anything more for free into a thing we don't own. But then I saw Rebecca Northern's Blind Date. Have you? Have either of you heard of it or seen it?
0: I've heard of it, have not seen it. No, I haven't seen it either.
2: That She is somebody you should definitely talk to. I mean, Would she has not a million great shows. She's uh from Canada, an incredible artist who's been creating super innovative shows for a really long time. and uh, Loose Moose, like early member Loose Moose uh in Calgary. So she does this show Blind Date where she uh the premise is and it's clowns, so she has like a little cute clown nose on and this red dress, and she's sitting at a table. And there's a little like French restaurant kind of um, tablecloth, and the the premise is that her character Mimi has been stood up for a date, and she asks if there's anyone who wants to take that person's place, and they pull someone from the audience. And they did some pre screening uh, to see who would be up for it, obviously. But then they pull somebody out from the audience, and she has a ninety minute show with an audience member.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's it's, brave, I love it.
2: It's really great. It has like some real structure points throughout, but I've seen it a couple of times and I've seen it with a couple different memes cause now she's expanded it. Uh, she's toured it all over. And there are a few different people who can play that lead now. Uh, We had been in talks right before the pandemic. I was going to train to do it in Atlanta, and then everything got canceled. So I hope I get to do it sometime. And I didn't really know her well. I had just met her once, and I saw the show, and I wrote her this message, like, if you ever want anyone, like, she didn't know me. And she was like, well, I really appreciate your moxie. (laughs) (laughs) But that's my jam. I just love playing with strangers. So it started as a... So then I was like, all right, I'm going to do Ruby Rocket, inspired by that. But all the other players were from the audience. I'd pick three people. I'd put them to the table to the side. And one would be the client. uh, One would be the cop uh, who's slash love interest. And then one would be the bad guy. Even though the bad guy wasn't necessarily the one who ultimately was guilty. Gotcha. So I did that... That like 50 three, times
0: three strangers that's that is a lot to yeah. manage and so there's no there's no other like ensemble or, or like you know bit players that that pop in throughout the show no
2: she does in hers she has oh, okay. some really fantastic backup uh and i think especially because of like her content is very much more intimate so having right. some backup also uh helps and her show's like 90 minutes i think with it's two acts. Uh, but yeah, so for Ruby, no, I'm just sending them back and forth through the monologue. So the noir trope of the detective delivering monologues, kind of how I can direct from the inside and send people back and forth. So I toured that, uh, a couple Canadian fringe festivals. I did about 50 times. And then I was like, this would be really fun with improvisers too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so you, de- you did develop it into an I ensemble did. show. I
2: did, <laughs> and Robert it's Moore? actually, <laughs> but it's still rotating. It's a rotating ensemble. So gotcha. we, we do have a home base that, it, that eventually was um, a, a core that rehearsed together, uh, but we always have guests and stuff. So there's always a, a, a moving part
0: and and so in the 50 show run of doing it with audience members yeah part of the reason it is part of the reason that you're like well, I want to try this with with other improvisers is because I imagine it's exhausting to do it with the um uh with again I, it amazes me that you would in, even internally direct <laughs> three strangers from the audience <laughs> in a, a genre show
2: <laughs> I really only had one that got out of control okay and, I imagine
0: a lot of the time you also get like uh, students of improv and people who are interested in being on stage to yeah, and even if it's authentically like you know unplanned and randomly selected or whatever, yeah. it's probably people who who know something about what they're doing or want to be doing.
2: The only time I really had a hard time was an improviser who was really just not listening and just so excited to be on stage that that she just took over and that's when I learned that it's noir and I have the power to kill any character (laughs) that I want (laughs) at any time (laughs) like obviously there's always you know some kind of murder incident but I had never used it as part of my arsenal until even after that I didn't even think of it in the moment it was after that I was like damn it and so uh, well, you know, it would you be might harder to have
1: yes, and your bullet, so that yeah. could have been real weird.
2: <laughs> it's true, it's true. She took, I have whiskey that I drink, she took it and poured it out all over the stage, like oh, at a fringe sure. festival where they have 15 minutes to turn over the space. You know, the techs, so it was just disrespectful to the space and the technicians and right. the stage managers and stuff, but mostly it was really, really fun. But yes, there's a different way you improvise when you're having to take care of, um, uh, the uh, audience members uh, that I just, which I really enjoy, but I was like, how would this be with, with somebody who's really going to take this on and that I can rest and just enjoy watching them bring their improv yeah. skills and training. And now I've gotten to do it with like some of my biggest heroes in the whole world, uh, which is amazing. I've done it with uh, Susan Messing, Stephanie Weir, Bob Dassey, um, Ron Lynch. Uh, so that's been really such a treat. Yeah, that's dream amazing. Dream come true.
0: And Is that part of the programming that you're bringing back with uh, Reopening Curious or um, is it something you put on the shelf for now?
2: I just haven't. I do. I'll find a spot for it. I just haven't. yet. I'm just trying to get everybody else settled and situated and then figure yeah. out where it fits in. It also has this technical, let me show you, we do this. um, My boyfriend, a big reason we met online and I actually was like, Oh, I've been looking for some visuals. And he was a, he's a visual artist like with projections and like, i don't know how to make this full screen so we're just going to look at it not full screen but he uh it, and then we started <laughs> but six months later like we were a couple and doing shows in edmonton but so we do these visuals where he projects in the background oh, yeah, yeah. um and the it, it's either noir images like that yeah. or like this it's kind of a jumbotron so that's me and bob dassey probably my favorite hero of improv of all time like my biggest teacher but so he's shooting it and then projecting it behind us like a jumbotron but he he blends it with these noir images and uh so you can see it's like the brick wall and 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 so and then he also puts it through an analog glitch box that gives it kind of a 30s old movie look um And that's been really fun. So it looks like, you know, when you go see Rocky Horror and people are acting in front of the movie, it's that effect. It's like you're actually seeing a movie, but then there are live actors in front of it. So that's the other element we've added.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Very cool, Uh, just, the, the production because it's so it's like it's like subtle it's it or i guess it's not necessarily subtle but like it's not necessary but it adds a lot like yeah like um, some nuance to it, it but without being really distracting right it's just like it yeah. adds a nice little um yeah aesthetic
2: it, there's times and our space a big reason is like our space is is huge you know at curious we have two spaces now that's why i'm sort of trying to decide which space i want to bring it back in because there's pros and cons but we have a 170 seat theater with 25 foot high ceilings so it does take a certain amount of spectacle I think uh you can do great long form in there without anything um but if you're starting to bring people from short form into long form you filling the space is really nice and like there's there's one episode we have where you know a show and we've shot it and um this character always has his tongue out and and then he dies and his tongue is still out. And I was like dragging him, his body out and, and it, his head was between my legs. I realized he like the actor is seeing right up my dress, right? It just oh, became I- this like awkward moment that I and he and the audience all became aware of at the same time. <laughs> and like John can really heighten that moment by zooming in you know, mm-hmm, on Matt's it. face and Matt's trying not to laugh and hold his tongue out at the same time, you know, while being dragged and you see his gross tongue hanging out on like this huge screen. And so yeah. it, it, it adds it, it can really heighten um, those those moments that you yeah. can't see yeah. so close up. It, it literally
0: magnifies the details of a show, mm-hmm. uh, which again is great. The, like for for tech elements to be able to do that, as a, as opposed to kind of like, toe the line between, especially for like improv, which is so kind of like uh, no no real, a lot of the time no real props or uh, costume pieces, or at least like ambiguous enough ones to do whatever. Um, it's tough when the tech comes in to to retain that, but like when you have an element like that, that's re- really just um yeah blowing up the things that are already uh the raw elements of the show
2: exactly uh, is excellent yeah it's it's really fun
0: so i'm curious about going from the audience version to the ensemble version um because i'm uh as a director i've i've created shows that I've internally directed before. And I always have a really hard time. There's ego in this, uh, of course, but, uh, I have a hard time, um, playing fully if I'm directing it internally, obviously it's a tough duality to have and maybe yeah. not one that you should, um, right. <laughs> For sure. uh, but do nonetheless, Yes. Uh, and then, and then on the other hand, though, I have a tough time letting go uh, if I give, give up the direction to somebody else because I'm like, I just have a vision for this that I really want to bring to life in a particular way. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, especially for a, a genre show and one that you have spent all this time internally directing, how was that transition? Was it completely freeing and you could now just be an ensemble member? Or is it still kind of challenging to be like, oh, I don't want to... Am I too high gravity or, or holding back too much? Or what is that like?
2: Live? I can do it. We did try like a podcast launch with Colin mockery and some other people. And we were using this new technology that um, uh, what's it called? Pineapple that Chris Griswold hmm. uh, and his partner, Michael have developed. And that was too much. Like, Live, I can manage, and I'm not really trying to direct the actors, right? We already know the look, so that directing is done ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But I'm directing the, the story. So, and the difference between, you know, Blind Date has a very, like, some points built in every time you see it. And then what's cool is to see how it gets there with all these different audience members. Ruby Rocket is completely unstructured, other than the fact that I'm going to pop out and pop back in from monologues. So I'm doing a ton of story building as we go. Wow. Um, and, and I love that. That's like, yeah. that, that's my strength I think as an improviser is seeing like the story. And it was my weakness when I started too, because I would be like, why did that person do that? Obviously the story was going here. You know? like Oh,
1: oh yeah. you met my internal monologue. I know yeah. that. I know that performer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. you did this and I did
2: mean, this. Mean, I did this. Obviously, obviously oh, wow, wow. this is the one story right. that was intended to happen. We've been and building this
1: like, outcome for the last 20 minutes. Why did you turn that screw? That's
2: the wrong screw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then uh-huh. I had to learn, right? Like, and that's why Open Court, which is a show we do at Curious, but started uh, by a group in inter- called International Stinger in Chicago at the playground where anyone can come play, which is where this passion of mine of playing with anyone came from um it forced me to be like whatever happens you have to make that the story now uh so it was kind of a reaction to my worst habit that i really had to work on yes ending and no matter how much everyone in the room thinks and then that that's like the biggest surprise and the most fun sometimes so so really, yeah. I'm just trying to put that together, but I'm not. I definitely get to lay back and enjoy my uh, castmates in the in the improv ensemble. Like they crack me up, they surprise me. Like I I have too much fun. I probably break too much during the show because I'm <laughs> laughing, and it's noir. And I keep justifying it by being like, but it's a noir cartoon. <laughs>
1: right? yeah. So we yeah. can
2: be silly. It yeah. doesn't it's have to take itself too seriously. Everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, no, I, and I, I relate to that, again, um, a, a lot. Um, and um, yeah, so it's still your role. Your your designated role is to direct the story. Does anyone else in the show pop out and do the... Um, they can. ...the of transitions? Okay. They
2: can. They have in the past. We had an episode um, where... Brilliant, Katie Barons was a character who was obsessed with my character. She was trying to become a detective and like, mm. and was stalking Ruby Rocket. So then she started stealing the, the uh, monologues too, which was <laughs> hilarious. Oh wow! Um, yeah, cool that. But yeah, people can. I I really have zero like. That's my challenge. Yeah. When we go in, it's a hundred percent up to me to make everything everyone else does look good and i think a lot of people come into it and they're afraid to to break it so i have to really assure them that they cannot break this show honest the worst thing that happens for me is actually when somebody is worried that i can't put it together and then mm. they come out and try to put it all together because i i've been building and building as we go and then if someone else is like this is what happened and i'm like Oh shit. Okay, and then I have to like let go of everything I mm-hmm. wrote and then uh, incorporate all those ideas at once instead yeah. of letting it unfold and I can incorporate it. So that's I'd say that's the the biggest challenge is when there's just another writer who's worried that it's yeah. not going to happen. But there're definitely times where like other people have provided huge pieces that pulled everything together. I you know, that's important and they'll just they'll see it, they'll name it. Um, that's cool. But when somebody comes out and tries to just sort of an exposition explain it all, it's like, okay, okay. Oh man,
1: yeah. Wipe everything out my brain. Yep.
2: Yeah. But that's great. It's like that's the muscle I'm trying to exercise is let it well, go. And then there's that weird
1: thing like, is that is that thing I'm gonna say next depending on what I, where I was going or where I'm going now? And then it's like ah. We'll have fun it's okay.
2: yeah yeah <laughs> to me that's the like the annoyance theater training right it for me was coming on with something with a lot coming up with like a lot of world in your mind and also being ready to let it all go immediately when somebody says yeah. something else
0: what are, is there is there advice that you give to people who struggle with that cuz it's like uh sometimes it's something that you kind of want to a habit that you want to curb from yourself or students or whatever it is. Um, Like you said, early on, it can really get in your way to be in that writer's mindset. Um, And, you know, you need to learn to let go uh, uh, to to some degree or entirely. Um, But then I've realized in the last few years, the more that I meet people and see different styles, especially narrative and genre, that there is a way to apply that writer's brain in a a really effective, excellent way that is still flexible. Um, And, but I I have a really hard time doing it. I I have to like really be in, in, in one or the other, like I'm either (laughs) the designated writer for the show and and directing things. And I feel like I can do that well enough, or it has to be like, anything can happen. And on purpose, I will turn on a dime and, just not get myself stuck in that mode so is there advice you give to people who are looking to like balance that in a, a, a you know a healthy way in, a, in, <laughs> in playing like like how do you keep I that right
2: yeah i think you have to it, it's like hold on come on with something in your hands right like for sure you have to have something and then but also just hold loosely you know, you just have to be ready to revise and revise. So you still have what you had, but you just have to adapt. So when I went to Chicago, I studied at at Comedy Sports Annoyance IO and Second City. And I and I feel like um, when I teach, I talk a lot about how I think comedy sports is about taking care or in short form in general, theater sports, kind of taking care of the audience first mm-hmm. uh, and. I.O. was about taking care of your scene partner first and annoyance is about taking care of yourself first. And so those are the three balls we're trying to juggle every time we're on stage. Yep. So to me, like that writer's brain is taking care of yourself and being willing to let it go at any point is is my I.O. sort of brain. So I think cross training is super important. Yeah. That's and then oh, yeah. you can practice those skills uh, all the way across, because you know, and they they each were grew up kind of in reaction to each other a bit, uh-huh. or at least annoyance. And I O did like at its worst, I O is two people getting on stage and being like. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna support the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna right. support the shit out of you. As soon as okay. You do okay. yeah. yeah. Who's working. got oh, something? Yeah. Exactly.
1: yeah.
2: And then at, at its worst, annoyance is like, I'm a cowboy. I'm an astronaut. And like we don't give a fuck that <laughs> we're yeah, totally yeah. different worlds together.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> <At laughs> its worst the
0: annoyance is it, totally
2: yeah, yeah, it worked. Yeah. Yep. It worked. Uh, But yeah, so I mean, I just think it's it's practice. I feel like it's like trying to drive. When you first drive, you're like, okay, foot on gas, foot on Mm -hmm. brake, foot on this, look, this, check this mirror, check side mirror. So I think just like you're like writer's brain. You know, <laughs> take right. care of the story, take care of my scene partner. Is the audience paying attention or are we just having fun? Like all of those checks. But eventually, if you know that you have to tend to all of those, it starts to become more uh natural, I guess, over time.
0: Yeah, I think I don't know a, if that's helpful. It extremely. Yeah. I, I oh, think that oh, cross okay. you're right. Uh-huh. Cross-training is exactly uh the thing to benefit you there is to really flex all of those um styles and and modes enough to where you can access them as needed
2: i saw in your backdrop you have a question about short form long form yes you know, Yeah. yeah i mean i came up so i'm i'm like an earlier generation who started with long form right when i started in, around the turn of the century most people were doing short form starting short form and then would evolve to long form mm-hmm. uh it wasn't really till UCB, I think, that a lot of people started with long form first. Uh, but because my background was film, I was a radio, television, film major in school. That's a major stage fright when I was acting. And um, I, w- I liked Mike Lay movies, like Life is Sweet. They're dramas actually that were, he had the plot points and then they improvised around, the, the ensemble improvised mm-hmm. around those plot points and obviously Christopher Guest movies. So I had movies in mind. So short form was fun, but it never was like this is what I wanted. And so then I went to a long form festival and it was like this is what I've always wanted, is an ensemble telling a story together. Mm-hmm. And and like many people, I I had a bit of I had an attitude about short form. And like, I, I loved the people who did it, Pat Short, who trained me my first short form real training at comedy sports here in Portland it was fantastic. He always talked to me about this, like it was very open, like this isn't exactly what I want. But then I got like, uh, yeah, for sure, I think a little long form snobby. And you know what? It's because short form was exactly what I needed. <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: I needed, to, you know, once I started really doing short form after years of long form, I was like, oh, this is reminding me that this is supposed to be fun. Yeah. yeah. This is reminding me to let go. This is reminding me to take care of the audience. This is reminding me to this is helping me remove my filter and my judgment. Uh, So that that has been a big part of helping me facilitate the letting go and the, the having fun part is. Complementing my long form with short form.
1: That's so cool. Uh, quick question, um, so with your character, with the stories you're telling, when you, each show, is it a brand new slate or do you bring back content from previous shows? So does this character have a history that you, you may reference? And sorry if you weren't at the last show, but this is something that happened. This is a character that's evolving. <laughs> Uh, because I've done shows like this before where, you know, you have characters come back and it's always been a big debate like, well, you know, not every uh, audience member is going to see every show. But I don't care if you have a character that has a history. Why not reference it? You know, it shouldn't be a major plot point, but it could be a reference.
2: That's a great question. And yes, I try to make it so nobody who's there would feel right. left out. There's, If you went to all of them, there's repetition. Yeah. Um, certain characters get introduced in a certain way. Uh, so like usually and not every, and there is no hard and fast part of the cartoon get out of jail free card is that also like Kenny dies in every South Park, right? Yeah, really, yeah. So there's times Rick's been the bad guy. He's my love interest in the cop. Rick is the only hard and fast returning character. Um, and he's not in every show necessarily either, but he's, he's always brought up to the cast ahead of time that, and there's like, a hat for him and stuff but um but there is a canon that is growing that that i love there's an episode uh where she fall where ruby falls in love with one of the with her client and gets a tattoo in in honor of her and i can't even remember it now though i have to look it up it's something like She Laura Sams is in one of the cast members of the regular ongoing show here at Portland is so funny. And her character was speaking in a lot of idioms, like every day is a glorious day or, you know, something to that effect. And then spoiler alert, she dies. and, and, uh, And so in her honor, Ruby gets a tattoo. So in my mind, forever, Ruby has that tattoo. Whether you're watching a story that happened pre or post that tattoo is... Uh, you know, to me, I'm always in a bar. Ruby is in a bar, talking to someone, and the what you watch is the flashback of the story. Gotcha. So they oh. don't need to go in sequential order. Oh, that's yeah,
0: cool. Yeah, that is that, that, that is a really interesting uh, framing to have for it that, that yeah. you don't ever explicitly set up for the audience. No,
2: or? I didn't realize I've never <laughs> made that overt till right now. <laughs>
1: Yeah,
2: that's very welcome, right audience. Because <laughs> I do in a, in, I do this opening where I usually pick on an audience member because I can't help but play with audience members. So sure. I, I get their name and I flirt with them and then I tell them I'll tell them a story and if they like it I'll buy them a you know they have to buy me a whiskey and if they you know whiskey and a dance and then if they don't like it then they get a dance and a whiskey. That's the the premise. So, I get a dance and a whiskey. Yeah, yeah, really either like way, yeah, good. <laughs> that, that's the premise in my mind.
0: Um, and then, so with the podcast, I know you said you tried it, uh, you did like a test run of it and weren't uh, completely happy it, with, with the format. Is there a new No, no, of it?
2: I, I am. I'm just not done editing it. That's oh, all. Oh, I'm obsessing about the editing of it. So, there's one that I wrote, and that's this comic book was mm-hmm. drawn out of the one that was actually written and cast. And uh, Chris Fairbanks is a voice on it, and he's just one of the funniest human beings alive. There's a bunch of like uh, Ron Lynch, Chris Fairbanks, Karen Kilgariff. I think they're stand ups who have an improv spine, uh, mm-hmm. and they're very improvisational in everything they do. And so, we've had a nice relationship with them at the theater and they've come up and done some stuff with us and at different times, but like Chris and Karen know each other and Ron and Chris, you know, they, they all spend time together. But um, why did I bring that up?
0: Uh, well, I was asking oh. you about the podcast. Oh, the, you're, well, Chris you're still is editing in
2: the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I got to edit that one, uh, but the comic book's been drawn and released since, the, since we recorded it, and then we have a bunch that are live, the live episodes. We have about 24 of them. Wow. So we're just mixing the audio, and there's things, again, to keep in mind when you know it's going to be a podcast, so if someone's doing something really physical, sometimes I'll try to, without it sounding weird to the audience, make sure that I comment on it in a way mm-hmm. that a listener will know why people are screaming, laughing so loud. Um, so yeah, I've just, it's it, just with the theater, this has been the project that won't die, but like never gets full attention either to sure. both me and my partner, Sam's chagrin. So I'm hoping like once we start back up and the theater is flowing again, that I can give it the, the love and attention that it's deserved for these 20 years. <laughs>
1: yeah. You, know, you just get the toilet to flush. We'll be good. You know? I mean, the thing is you start
2: right. Exactly. Exactly. But you like start a theater. Cause you're like, I just want to have an improv life, but yeah. your improv life is still, there's always going to be that side where you're fixing a toilet and <laughs> fixing a broken window or. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, I don't think I mentioned this at the top, but, uh, we do a sub category of episodes, which would be, uh, this would be included under that umbrella, which is called a show and tell. And a lot of the time it's, um, shows that have had a run and have ended. And generally the last thing that we ask is like, if you had to start it all over again today, um, what would you do differently? What would you definitely keep the same that you're really happy with? and I know we've touched on a little bit of that with uh, like the deal with the animation company and everything, but like, right. if you did um, have a fresh start with Ruby as uh, a franchise, uh, what would you do the same and differently?
2: Hmm, that's a great question.
0: I'm one of the things I'm most curious about is is whether whether uh, you would like it to be like wh- whether you would start with one of these types first um and build the rest around it or you know would you still start with it as a animated pilot or or like a sketch mad tv style uh show or i think
2: i think i would it's more of like a general life decision than necessarily the show but Mm -hmm. i think i would i'm trying to decide if this is even feasible since The theater is my job, right? But I probably would have focused more on it and made more time sooner. Yeah. And, like, believed in it more. But that's also hard to say because, like, 20 years ago, you couldn't access an audience like you can now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know so I mean? guess with with like with the medium of YouTube, like yeah, how how would that change? Does that make it more appealing to do the animation sooner, or like there's also tons of ways to produce? Um, yeah, the live action stuff, like, but you would yeah, you would use I YouTube. Think I by would way. write.
2: I think I would have just written more often. Here, let me show you before since it's show and tell. Here's the comics. This is how like beautiful his oh wow illustrations are.
1: I said wow so much during this <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, like,
2: He's amazing. Wow. Yeah
0: right? And this is still all by Sam?
2: This is by yep by Sam Neiman and um the oh. comics and the and the merch are he you know are illustrations he made as well. Ruby Ruby's um pansexual here. So this is she's hitting on this lab assistant. But yeah, <laughs> uh i mean it's just gorgeous his art is unbelievable so i think i would have made more time just to to write scripts and you know i've developed my preferred way which is like i like to brainstorm with people Mm -hmm. a bunch of episodes then write a script then cast it have the actors improvise from that script and then set the script and then either you know shoot it either live or have sam do the comics like i just wish i had 20 ruby scripts done Mm. i think that's i would focus just i just would have given it more space and time if i could currently
1: how much time do you give it like per episode
2: i mean honestly right now i have not been able to do anything on it and sam's like Mm -hmm. waiting for a script you know not patiently (laughs) waiting for a script for the next comic
1: book. you have walls to paint
2: yeah Yeah. and like the pandemic was like you know oh great this is why i tried to release it then because i was like great we're all stuck at home we're gonna do it and i was like oh no i'm just chasing funds every day to keep the theater alive and Mm -hmm. also you know exhausted from trauma right so it just wasn't the productive time that i had hoped it would be but that's my goal is to make space for it now but honestly it's hard to say because anything i think that i would do differently i don't know that i would have learned what i've learned along the way yeah about the story the characters about creative process yeah,
0: and I think that uh, that's what I love about doing the show until episodes is, is that like there's so many things that uh, I know that I don't always like sit and process that I've learned or taken from a show and until suddenly I'm, I'm doing something in a certain way with my next project and I'm like how did I get to that habit? You know, for better or worse, but there's but, uh, you 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 take away things that that we don't always take time to like sit and appreciate where it came from out of each process. Are there things that you would definitely do the same um, if you, you know, obviously you and Sam make a, a great team, obviously, so I'm sure you'd still have uh, that that combo on board. Um, Absolutely. Would you, would you approach the production of it any differently? Or sorry, are there things about the production you would keep the same for sure?
2: Yeah, if I could do it sooner, I would, that's the that's the process is, uh, you know, I would use that process I described. And I developed that from other projects that we've done. We, you know, when Audible was hiring everybody to try to create content for them, that was super consuming for like two years and didn't result in in anything that anyone can see or hear. But it helped me a lot learn how to Right as an ensemble. I mean, I feel like it's all leading back to where I started an ensemble creating um, a story that's like written through ensemble improvisation based on a structure. Um, so even the things that have distracted me from Ruby or come, come have come back to it. Um, but yeah, I wish I had known that path sooner. Like I yeah. tried to shoot a film that was entirely improvised based on a thing. But like you can't do all the improv in front of the camera because you're paying people a lot of money to stand there oh, and yeah. shoot a thousand. <laughs> yeah. So like that's when I learned like, oh, you got to do that part in rehearsals. Then you mm-hmm. lock it down a lot like the Second City main stage yeah. process. Right. You you have your structure. You get your actors to embody those characters to bring their own language to it, to surprise you and, and, and deepen and, and heighten the comedy of what you're doing. And then you edit that down (laughs) and edit it down and edit it down and then get more and edit it down. Then you keep the best and you make something brilliant.
0: I I suppose I want to tack out a little, a little (laughs) bit of a, of a, of a tangent question on that because, um, I, I really am curious about the, that like medium of, um, re-improvising, right? Uh, Yeah. I feel like, and I know that that's something that that is in the second city process, and uh, where Bob and I are uh, mutually from is uh, Detroit. I'm out in New York now, um, but but still, uh, the, the Detroit community is is uh, largely second city influenced um, oh. at, at its origins. But what I what I noticed at some point was like that there seems to be entirely improvised stuff, and then um, a lot of the stuff that gets like written, in my experience, is like sketches are like written written or like you know uh one hour shows are written and like tightly written and i came across the idea in maybe a book at some point of like re-improvising as the way of developing material and i was like i feel like i don't see that a ton but it sounds like you use it like as your as your main process is re-improvising yes Is that like, like two separate worlds or like, am I crazy when I, when I'm like, when did it become that like sketches are, are tightly written to a T?
2: UCB, I think is that, I think UCB has brought a lot of that culture to it. Not that they're the first, you know, obviously, but into the, to the crossover to the improv community. But, uh, I think it's whether you work as an individual or you like to work as an ensemble. Right. So if you're somebody who does want you, you're so right. You know, you're like every word has to be the word and I don't want anyone to veer from the words. And I've crafted this a certain way. Then then you write your sketch at home and you cast people. And, and here in Portland, there's a kind of this community of people who write an entire sketch show by themselves, cast it, put it on. And and they're great shows. Um, I just don't like like it's weird to be a writer who doesn't like working alone. Like that's I, yeah. I like working I, collaboratively.
1: I do because I, 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 I'm i with you. I'm totally because I like being across the room like here's a line and we both smile at it like, OK, yes, yes it's in it's in uh, that's my editor. Yeah. It,
2: exactly. And that's and I also am an editor. I was a video editor for years. That was my first job out of college. And um, I think that's my probably my greatest strength is like editing shit down and, and I like things to be really efficient storytelling and improv is usually not because we spend a lot of time trying to find it. Um, obviously, the most experienced people make it feel that way the whole time. And that's the goal, right? Is like when I wrote sketch shows in Chicago with um, like I had a couple duos, we would film ourselves at rehearsals. And then go back and write from those rehearsals. But the thing was, I would have thought ahead of time, oh, every rehearsal maybe we'll get one we like or two we like. But usually it was, you'd have a bunch of rehearsals where it was all shit. And then you'd have a rehearsal where everything was gold. It was like that day we were just tuned into each other. We were listening. We were just firing on all cylinders. And that day we just transcribed what came out and did a tiny bit of editing like that's but it's all about quantity we had to do those other rehearsals to get to that yeah. rehearsal um but speaking of detroit i mm-hmm. i don't want to let that i mean my another huge list of my favorites are out of detroit mary beth monroe yeah. jamie moyer um uh tim robinson sam yep. uh richardson detroiters like yeah beth, they're just so great. I just, I have a big heart for all the whole Detroit community. So. Yeah.
0: That's so awesome to hear. That's and uh, yeah, we, we love to wave the banner for Detroit when we can. So it's, uh, and I know a lot of those people are West coast uh, now, so I'm sure that there's been, uh, but I'm they're sure tight
2: that... with each other still exactly. yeah, yeah. like they really came up together and made each other great. We had, um, uh, Jamie Moyer and uh, Mark. Why am I blanking on uh, Evan Jackson? Yes, Mark Evan Jackson on our fundraiser at the beginning of this year, and I it was my dream to play with Mark Evan Jackson and Mary Beth and Jamie had come up here. They're they're in a Ruby Rocket. Um, oh yeah. 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 Unbelie- oh my God, it's so fun. Like it's just Jamie is so- talk about somebody like I had to just let go and like yeah. let Jamie run the show. <laughs> Like, I was still putting the story together, but, like, the the pieces, but she was Mm -hmm. just so funny, and she and Mary Beth are so great together. But what I love is Mark Evan Jackson's so dry, Mm -hmm. right? So dry. Just the ultimate, non-breaking, you know, just fully committed person, Mm -hmm. and watching him play. So, we did this marathon for our fundraiser in February. Every It was duos for... Twenty-four hours, okay. Uh, and so I got to play with Mark, and then Mark played with Jamie, and Jamie... was that the Leron? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So, so yeah. sorry, but twenty-four hour like like chain of of uh, paired actors,
2: exactly. Yeah. Yep, from all you... over the world, which was right. crazy because I forgot about how confusing time zones can be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so thank goodness, like some people were coming early because some people were totally you know, miscalculating, but it actually went the other way. So Jamie went with Mark and then I got to play with Mark, which was hard to play with Mark after he just got to play with Jamie. Sure. Uh, So, but the best thing was seeing Jamie make him break. Yeah. Like, and you know that he is that like good at being that straight because he's had to play with Jamie Moyer for all these years and Mm -hmm. try like his goal is to keep a straight face and not let her break him. And her goal is like, Oh, I'm going to get you. Uh And they're so incredible
1: you you can't mess with her stage presence it's it's too big (laughs) even over zoom i don't know how she does it like wow yeah
2: she had this whole like frame set up and she had props like that she was she was making lists like it was just i mean yeah it was like she was being filmed for a scene in a show that had been all planned out that that's the power of like that level of of improv and they keep getting like all these people, Stephanie Weir and Bob, like that Chicago rich tell Rico, like they're kind of another cluster that, that I really admire and they keep getting better. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'll be like, okay, I think I'm getting, you know, and then I see them again. I'm like, what (laughs) you just moved the bar. Another. Oh, yeah. yeah. just Yeah. You can chase it forever.
0: Totally. Yeah and that's why this
1: thing's so addictive you'll never never be perfect at it that's right
2: that's right like uh tj Jagodowski in his book talks about you think like oh i just got to get through this door and then you open the door and it's a hallway with a bunch of other doors and that improv is always just opening doors to other doors and that is what makes it so addictive
0: yeah it's endless and yeah
1: and then when you get through those doors you look back like Oh, I haven't been doing that thing I
0: learned four <laughs> years ago. <Yeah. laughs> let, me, let me circle yep. back. Yeah. Yep. yep.
2: Definitely. Turn back around. Definitely.
0: <laughs> well, Stacey, uh, thank you so much for joining. Before we let you go, um, obviously, I'm dropping a uh, link to the Ruby Rocket PI website, rubyrocketpi.com. Um is that the best place uh, for people to to go check it out and that'll lead them everywhere else? Is there anything else that you want to, uh, I think so.
2: Yeah. And then they can look for, yeah, just Ruby rocket, uh, on Instagram, you know, uh, look for, for Ruby rocket, private detective and not, Booth babe, Ruby rocket who, co- co- rocket, who we had a copyright battle with. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, uh, I think she's our, and then there's now there's like Ruby Rocket popsicles, but Ruby Rocket, Private Eye uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and please expect more activity as I fulfill the promise. I just... <laughs> I, if, oh, yeah. if I say I wish I had done it, I better do it, and that's make time for it. So we're going to get these things out into the world this year. I'm 50 this year. I turned 50, and, like, by the end of this, before my next birthday, back to the birthday theme. Right. Oh, yeah. By my next birthday, these will all be oh. – you said a podcast,
1: so now you have to do it. I've, have, I've said it a lot to. of times. We're going to edit that soundbite is- <laughs> and send it to you on your birthday and be like, Have yep. you fulfilled? We That's are right. going to blow up your Instagram. Please do.
2: Hold me accountable. <laughs> I need it. Wear
1: them episodes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and please come to Portland and visit when the world's safe to do so. We'd love to have yeah. you at Curious. Yeah, I
1: owe James a birthday trip, so this is going to happen.
2: Oh, do it please <laughs> really
0: uh, yeah i would love to and uh yeah we and we know uh kristen sheer from through the detroit improv festival yeah. and, and she's yeah. awesome i know she's out there working with you she and, is yeah
2: she's awesome she's been here now pretty long time now we're like gone yeah. four three four years and uh and elise rodriguez just came up from florida studio theater and originally from miami and she's running our uh she's becoming our new business manager and this is part of me trying to make that space to focus on my own stuff and not be doing a million jobs so yeah it's a great great community everybody we've
0: ever met through uh portland has been amazing so yeah we would love to eventually make our way out there and um uh hang out with you on your side of town
2: please do and i gotta get to detroit
0: yeah, please. please, please. We'll swap trips. Yeah. Before, everyone's gotta make these trips before our next birthday. That's all right. said out loud, it's yeah. gotta okay.
1: happen.
2: <laughs> all right, all Bob, yours yours is in April, mine's in March. You're mm-hmm. April what? 10th. Okay. And I'm I'm March 26th. So okay. so we'll split the difference by April first. We'll have visited each other
0: mm-hmm.
2: and Ruby I- Rocket will be out. I I, I
0: personally, I have 364 days to to pull this off. (laughs) Oh, I
2: see. It's all, okay. Might not be able to join for. All right. Fair (laughs) enough. So by my birthday, the Ruby Rockets will be out. Mm Okay. By each of your birthdays.
0: April 10th and October
2: October 16th. 16th. Okay. I'm I'm writing it down. All All right.
0: right. Awesome. Uh, Thanks again, Stacey. (laughs) Um, And thanks everyone for joining. Um, Remember to go to the improvnetwork.org. And check out all the resources we have to offer. Until next time, uh, thanks for joining. We'll catch you next time on the Improv Network podcast. Bye.
2: Bye. Thank you. (laughs)